You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to declare the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, today's a very special day because we're we're rounding down to the end of March, and The interesting thing about March is that it comes before April. And guess what happens in April? We tell you that we're supposed to launch an e-church. Well, guess what? Everything is on track for that launch. And I want to thank every one of you that's out there that listens to me and says, you know what, Dan Duvall, I believe in the kingdom agenda that God has called you to build, and I'm going to help. I'm going to financially jump on board with this thing. I know that you said that you don't need my money, but I have felt an impression by the Spirit of the Lord to give bride ministries of my abundance that you can accomplish the kingdom agenda that has been set before you. You know what? I said, I want to build this internet-based ministry service debt-free, and I wanted to have a prototype service up by April. Well, we've been debt-free. We've bought I mean, we have, we have spent well over $15,000, folks. I, I've spent it. Okay, Gone. It's been spent. Website, equipment, all kinds of stuff. Here's what we've done, though. Here's what we've done. We have purchased a green screen setup and a whole bucket of lighting. Because when you do green screen and you do all kinds of filming projects, you need proper lighting in order for the video to come out really nice. If Any of you go back and look at my YouTubes from 2013 and back. 
when I was still doing the format where I sat there and just stared at my computer blankly while people talked for a long time. I look back at those videos and just shake my head and say, wow, (laughs) I really needed to find a better way to do that, which I did. I took myself off the camera. But that was green screen lighting without lighting. I just had a green screen and I ran a program that put something behind me. Well, we're not doing it on that level, folks. No, no, no. We are doing it on a much finer quality level. And we purchased a really, really nice camera. We spent thousands of dollars on the camera that we're using for the internet-based ministry service. Why? Because the kingdom of God is done in excellence. Um, God didn't pave his streets in gold and leave potholes in there so people could trip and hurt themselves while they're walking around the streets of heaven, okay? There's no potholes in heaven. God's not a slacker, and he doesn't really believe in sloppiness. Well, I don't either. So, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to do the best with what we have. And you know what? We have faith. And right now I'm like, God, we're going to do really good. We are going to do this in an awesome way. So we got really nice lights. We got a really nice camera. We got other equipment. We spent over $10,000. I mean, and you know what? I believe that God called us to spend that kind of capital on, on this project. Because I believe that this platform will reach ultimately tens of thousands, if not more than that. That's what we are prepping for. We have faith for. So we got that. We did all of our recording here in Texas, where I am. I had someone fly out, my board member, Walter. You met him the other week when he was on my program. We're talking about what we're doing. Well, we recorded the first eight services, eight services of our e-church the other week. Folks, I was tired. That's a lot of preaching. But I had to get it in because... Walter does not live in Texas. And so uh, that was done. And you know what else was done? We recorded the worship element of our service in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, in Michigan, right? So, Daniel, how do you record worship in Michigan if you're in Texas? <laughs> People. <laughs> so my worship leader is in Michigan, and he executed that task. Just a phenomenal job. I've seen some of the outtakes of what they've done. They're still working on producing all of that. So we're actually recording in multiple locations, believe it or not. This is this is a cross-continental effort because guess what? Not only were, were the preaching performed in, in Texas and the worship produced in Michigan, but the website's being built in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. I said it. We're cross-continental. This is an international church, folks. And I'm just really excited that it's all coming together because against all odds, guess what? I set this ridiculous, unfathomably nonsensical deadline of April 1st. Said, we're going to do it. (laughs) We don't have the money in the bank account. We don't have any centralization whatsoever. And we're just going to do it because God said so. And you know what? We are. So now April 1st is coming up. And we are going to do our prototype service. We're going to take the components of the worship that have been produced, components of the uh, preaching that has been produced and post-production work has been performed on so that we have all of the graphic effects that are going to work in conjunction with the set that we have purchased. It's, I mean, folks, this is going to be class A stuff. And the website, it's already been designed we have a a, a template and we're working on adding all of the content to it so we can get that right i mean folks it's going to make bride ministries or bridemovement.com excuse me uh look second rate it's it's a much classier 
website. And of course, it's because I didn't build it myself, right? We actually hired professionals. So it's, it's, we're really taking all this stuff to the next level. Why? Because we believe in advancing the kingdom of God and advancing his kingdom agenda. We're going to be preaching kingdom on this platform. We're going to be preaching a lot of other things too. I talk about a lot of subjects and so do my friends. But essentially, what's up with this date, Dandoval? Okay, so you say that you've managed to do the impossible, right? Well, the date, April 1st, is still solid. I mean, we might even push it back to March 31st, depending on certain things. The prototype service, though, I'm sorry, everyone that was looking forward to being part of that. Um, that's a beta test. And I'm just going to say that now so there's no confusion. The first prototype service when we launch in April, on April 1st or March 31st, depending, that's a beta test. That's for us. So we are going to hold the first service, but it's going to be a private event, and we're basically going to be pressing play. We're going to see if it works. We're going to also be working on how to troubleshoot, debug anything that's got bugs in it, then we're going to be coordinating with group moderators, people that have already volunteered and said, Daniel, we're, we're going to sign up to, to do this thing and make sure that they're all squared away. See, by the time that we actually do the official, what I would say is a public launch, not prototype, but public launch, we want to have all of our ducks in a row as much as possible, as reasonably possible. So with that said, what I'm telling you is that prototype launch is still going up April 1st, public launch, probably a little bit later in the month of April. Uh, are we finished paying for the project? No, no, we still have more to pay on the project. We, we have invoices that will be coming in from our web developer and we have other stuff that we need to do. <laughs> not going to get into all the details, but realistically, we have raised quite a bit. You, you guys have that listened to this program. I mean, you have just really, really, really blown my socks off. I have been so amazed at the provision of the Lord through you. And I want to just say thank you and also man, keep it up but by the time this launches i am expecting that this is going to be a real real tool in the hand of god that he is going to use to change things to and 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 to bring community to you because many of you that well you, you write us you say daniel we don't have community we don't have friends we don't <laughs> we don't have family we we can't find it because all of the Christians that are around us are dead as doornails. The uh, other people, they're all loopy. And we don't know what to do. All of our fellowships on Facebook. Well, we're solving that problem. And it's going to be such a classy interface that you're going to be like jazzed about telling your friends. Like, hey, you should go and check out the fireplacechurch.com. Actually, we're still trying to settle on whether it's going to be called .com or .org. It doesn't really matter because I bought both, so they'll just redirect wherever it happens to be. But, you know, you should check out the fireplacechurch.org because, man, it's classy, and they're going to give you some really good word, and I'll be there. You know, we don't want to create a product that you look at it and you're like, oh, this only makes sense to me because I follow this kind of information. You ever see those websites? Like you pull it up and you're like, yeah, the only reason I'm reading this is because I know at least 50% of what they say is true. And that's good enough for me. Would you ever reference it to your friends? No way. Say, I can't tell anyone I'm reading this website or looking at this stuff, you know, and 
Of course, some of you are doing that for other reasons. Get off the porn, okay? But uh, for those of you that are doing, like, you know, research and trying to find conspiracy threads and all of that, well, there's an element of that where, you know, you you have certain... (laughs) sites that are (laughs) (laughs) non-marketable. We want to be very marketable. We we want people to say, you know, this is where I'm getting fed. Uh, Family and friends and people that don't believe in Nephilim or that there is a new world order being built right under our noses. You should check out this church because they're awesome. They have really, really nice worship. It's classy. They have a really good setup. That's what we want to create. We, We are trying to create a mainstream platform for a non-mainstream message that should be mainstream because realistically the stuff that I'm talking about we we get so many emails now it's it's just really getting uh quite profound we're hitting a chord see people the, the problems and things that we we get into in the show mind control fragmentation new world order stuff global politics uh all of these kinds of things. And, and, then, and then the spiritual side, the kingdom, grace in Christ, how to do spiritual warfare. I mean, these kinds of things are the things that people are crying out for. And, and when we cut to the church, I mean, we're talking mega equipping. That's it. Equip, equip, equip. We want you equipped. I don't want you to come to church because it's a ritual in your life and you're just going to sit there and do what you usually do. Uh, see, I want people to be part of our ministry service because they're going to be equipped to be violent, ruthless opponents of the devil in every area of their lives and walk into victory and strength and conquesting power of Jesus Christ. So there's a very extensive update on the church. Folks, guess what? I've been so busy with the church. I don't even have a guest today. Why? I didn't have time to book one. I I just didn't even get around to it. I'm like, oh, well, I guess you'll be stuck with me today. Someone said, yay, I love it when you just rant, Dan Duvall. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm going to get to it in just a minute. By the way, I have some books out. Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations. Noah's Ark in the end of days. Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. We have another product, too. It was the conference from Australia. Some of you might want to pick that up. You can go to bridemovement.com. They're all there. Um, without any further ado, I'm, I'm going to go to quick break. When I come back, I'm just going to talk. And I don't even know what I'm going to say yet. (laughs) So you'll have to come back and find out.
Well, we're back on Discovery the Truth with Dan Duvall, and I'm just really excited. Uh, man, I have no guests today. So exciting, right? I have no guests and no notes. One of the things that happens when I don't have any notes is that you never really know what's going to come out of my mouth. And that, that can be good or bad. I can really incriminate myself because there's so many things that I don't feel comfortable yet sharing, but I know to be true or I've discovered revelation of God that just is not ready to be unpacked for the world's ears. But sometimes I'm able to moderate myself better when I have notes and I can say, this is where I stop. This is the parameters I box myself into and, and this is what the kind of package is that I'm going to deliver. But when I have no notes, I never really know what's going to pop out of my mouth. And realistically, sometimes it shocks even me. I'm like, well, I can't believe I said that. Recently, I did a program uh, that I really went off. Uh, I think it was the kingdom of God and higher dimensions or something like that, where I'm just talking about the kingdom and dimensions and going on and this and that. And man, I was like, got, I just got done with that program. And I said, I can't believe I said all of that. But the funny thing was that you guys loved it. I got a lot of positive feedback. And I was like, wow. Well, maybe my audience, after listening to my spirit and uh, listening to my attitude on this program and the guests that we have, it is enough of a foundation there, teaching that is somewhat systematic, that when I go on these rants and rabbit trails and things where, where I'm just talking to you and, and I have no notes, you're ready for it. By the way, let me, I, I'm going to take a little bit of time this week and break open something. Why? Because it just popped into my head. The human spirit, oh, oh, this is not understood. Even me, folks, let me tell you something. I have been on a journey to understand the human spirit now for some time. And I'll, I'll tell you what, my, I, God has blown my socks off with this one. He has just blown my socks off with this one. I never in a million years would have thought that I would be understanding what I understand now of the, the subject of the human spirit. And now that I'm talking about this, I'm like, man, maybe I should have really made some good notes about the human spirit before attempting to talk at great depths about it. But, you know, I have a lot of scriptures memorized, so we will just work with those and see where that gets us. Very interesting. The human spirit is a component of our existence because God created us a three-part being. Let me start there, the three-part being. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I pray that the God of all peace sanctify you wholly, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, there are three major components, the human, that are articulated in that passage in 1 Thessalonians. It's the body, the soul, and the spirit. And I often add for people this passage in Hebrews chapter 12, which says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so I say, well, you have three terms there in the Greek, body, soul, spirit. And then you have this fourth term added in Hebrews chapter Four called the heart. And the heart stands in distinction from the soul of the spirit as a separate word. And when you do your word studies and you realize that the word in Greek, cardia or leb, Hebrew for heart, same thing, means the, the, you know, the seat of human intuition, the, the will, the, 
the emotions of a person, you realize that really the heart is a component of the human soul. It's actually the lowest or lower regions of the human soul, best understood as the realm of the subconscious. And if you've listened to me talk much, or realistically, if you've been in my discipleship classes, you know that I spend a lot of time talking about the heart. I love the heart. The heart is an awesome revelation. Let me tell you about your heart. How do you know, Daniel, that the heart is the subconscious? Well, because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know what? When I shake you awake at night and I say, are you worth anything? If you say yes, that's a heart belief. If you say no, that's a heart belief. How do, how, how do you process an answer to a question when you're being woken up out of a deep sleep and you don't know what's going on? Because the knowledge isn't being processed by your conscious mind, your thoughts, whatever. You're, it's coming from a deeper place within you. It's a place of identity. It's a place that is where your general understanding of who you are, how the world works, abides. There's an example here of the diver. Uh, that's five, right? So you take the five-year-old and you have a diving board and you say, hey, go, why don't you run off and jump off the diving board? And they go and they're really excited, like, yay! And they go to the end of the diving board and then they stop, right? And then there's a line of kids behind them and everyone gets upset because why? The kid won't jump off the diving board. He's sitting there and he's like, well, I want to jump off the diving board. They told me to jump. They told me it'd be fun. The water looks so nice and fresh and fun. So they're sitting there at the edge of the diving board, but they won't jump off the diving board. Why won't you jump off the diving board, little five-year-old child? Because there's something that's holding him back. His thoughts say go, something says no. What keeps that child on the diving board? And I'm using child because if this is you and you're 40 years old, I don't want to embarrass you. Some of you are already embarrassed. Look, um, the child is being held up by an inner conviction that is based in fear. The water might eat me alive. Uh, it will be so cold, I will freeze to death. I, I, you know, any kind of lie, but you know, there's a, there's a certain belief system that's inside of the child, insecurity. I don't know what's going to happen when I jump off this diving board into this perfectly normal water. And whether it's rational or irrational, it is seated somewhere in that child. Where, where, where is that belief seated? It's seated in the heart, the subconscious. So the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to himself, but his heart is not with him. Proverbs 23, 7. So the child, he might have conscious thoughts going in one direction, subconscious thoughts going in another direction. <laughs> and now we know why the, 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 the line of kids gets really upset. And then you know what happens, right? One of the other kids, especially, you know, the, the, the one that's one year older and, and trying to prove himself, he, he runs off and pushes the kid. Yeah, get in that water. Stop holding up the line, bum. And so... But the, the thing is, is, I'm illustrating the subconscious. See, some of you, you you're stuck in life. You want to go somewhere. I want to be successful. I want to get a job. I want to do something productive. I don't want to live in this slop. Some of you just need to clean your house. Goodness gracious, clean your house. But, but then what happens is you go to do it and something stops you. It's like, I can't. I just can't be productive. I can't be successful. I can't. And so you're in this constant battle. It's like, why is it that my mind goes this way, but, but my actions go that way? This is why. Your conscious mind has a stream of thoughts and your subconscious mind has a stream of beliefs. And when those two contradict, usually the heart wins. <laughs> so God is after the heart of man. Oh, this is amazing. 
that God is after the heart of man. So God is after your heart. And the Bible says this, that God even wants to give you a new heart. So if you come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, the Bible says God gives you a new heart. And the Holy Spirit of God is present to write upon the fleshy tables of that heart. So this is a spiritual transaction here. But that new heart doesn't necessarily have the Spirit of the Lord writing upon it at all times. Did you know that you can be a Christian with a new heart and still not be able to clean your house? Mm, yeah, that's right. So what needs to happen then is that the Holy Spirit must come into your heart and write. It's a progressive work of God throughout a person's life as they submit themselves to the belief systems of God. <laughs> you know, I, I meet a lot of people that are stuck in various places in life and different things. And of course, this even lends itself into the whole concept of mind control because, well, the, the whole subject of mind control, which is the fragmentation of humans into lots of little small pieces. It goes back to Isaiah 61, where you find a ministry to those that are under mind control. It says God came to bind up the brokenhearted. See, what they do is they go and they break a person's heart, shatter it into a million pieces, which also includes the soul being shattered into a million pieces. And then uh, <laughs> they can create belief systems inside of a person that are completely contrary to the will of God for their lives. And that is how they control people, essentially. And so, I mean, that's strongly, strongly oversimplified, as many of you know that have listened to enough of my programs on the subject of dissociative identity disorder, satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control, the whole bit. But this is essentially the idea. It's the same conversation. If you can get into a person's heart and put the belief systems in there that you want, you can control their lives. But Daniel, I thought you were going to tell us about the human spirit. You got stuck on a heart. Yeah, I did. But this is my program. Praise the Lord. Jesus gave it to me. You need to hear what I'm saying. If the Holy Spirit has me stuck on heart, I'm sure there's someone that's getting something out of this. And the Holy Spirit is really after some people's hearts today. He's, he's, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying, and you, I want to get that fear out of your heart. And you, I want to get that lust out of your heart. And you, I want to get that uncleanliness out of your heart. Oh, you over there? Yeah. I want to get that money-wasting spirit out of your heart. Those lottery tickets are not going to be heaven's solution to your financial crisis. See, the thing is, God wants to put belief belief systems in the human subconscious or heart that are a reflection of his viewpoint. That are a reflection of his viewpoint. Daniel, why do you talk the way you do? Answer, because I talk to Jesus a lot and he's rubbed off on me a little bit. Did you know that God is very confident in his viewpoint on things and the way his kingdom works, his kingdom mentality, the power of faith? He's very confident. God's a very confident guy. So, the Bible says of Jesus that the Pharisees they were like, how, how does one teach with such authority? Well, he knew what he was talking about. See, God knows what he's talking about. He is after your heart. And when he gets a hold of your heart, he puts new belief systems in there while extracting the old ones that destroy your life. And so when you begin to think, I want to be productive and successful, and God says, well, my word says I have plans for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. And you get that into your heart and your belief system says, God has plans to give you hope and a future. And you say, I want to be successful. What happens is you align your desire with God's belief system and you begin to apply faith and your whole life projects you in one direction, which is forward. Whoa. 
It's amazing to see people stagnate because they just don't understand the mechanics. You know what they do? They spend all day long meditating on everything that goes wrong in their life. That's all they think about. Let me tell you this. God showed me a while ago that there are three main ways to program the heart. I'm getting to the spirit, but I'm going to tell you this first. Three main ways to program the heart. And I've said this in other programs before, but it bears repeating. The first is revelation. The Bible says in Hebrew, or blah, blah, blah. Ephesians chapter 1. For we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches and the glory of your inheritance in the saints. You see, there is a spirit of wisdom and revelation that will open the eyes of the understanding. Did you know that the word understanding in the Amplified Version is translated heart? Why? Because your understanding that exists in your heart, which is your subconscious, is the place that God designed a spirit of wisdom and revelation to affect that you would know the hope of the calling. So what I'm saying is you need a revelation from God that will change the way your heart processes information, the very belief system employed by your heart. God wants to give you a new belief system. He wants to give you a heavenly perspective so you can engage the world out of it. This is the first step to really engaging the world as a kingdom citizen because your viewpoint is also tied to an inheritance and an activity. And that's, okay, then now we're going to be getting, getting into spirit. The heavenly activity, that's what you need to understand. See, as a kingdom citizen, many people, they're so disconnected from this thing. It's sick. Makes me sick. Makes me upset. A lot of things make me upset, especially bad preaching. And dispensationalism has really ruined it for a lot of people. If I could have a word with John Nelson Darby, it would be harsh. So anyway, I'm going to say this. God is after your heart because he wants to put a new belief system in there that, gonna, that's, that takes you out of that muck and mire that has been established in your life by the belief system you've carried into your Christianity and revolutionized by his perspective. And he wants to give you a revelation to do it. There is a spirit of revelation that is designed to change and reprogram your heart. But there's two other routes. I say you can have your heart changed by revelation. Also, repetition and trauma. Those are the other two main ways to program the heart. Why, Daniel? Oh, why are these New Agers so big on positive confessions? As a matter of fact, I've even heard Christians teach positive confession. Is it possible that the Christians are really New Agers in disguise if they practice positive confession? No. Um, the Bible is very clear that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a repeating of the word of God so that you get faith. Positive confession. <laughs> Confess the word. There's no uh, weirdness about positive confession. What that does is that's a very natural and human way to change the belief system in a person. See, if you repeat, 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 what you eventually do is break down the barrier between a conscious and subconscious mind on a particular issue and begin to seed the heart on purpose with new thought processes. That's why positive confessions work. They have nothing to do with new age. It's just the way you're wired. So if you put the word of God in you every day, faith, 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 one day, you know what? You wake up and you think faith. If you put the word of God in you, provision, 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 one day you wake up and you say, what? why am I begging God for money and other people and trying to make it seem like 
God hadn't already provided my every need out of the abundance of his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You get a new belief system begins to get in there according to the word of God. And you begin to think different, operate different. And then one day you get up there and you're like, I'm going to start a church by April 1st because God said so. I don't have the finances. I don't even have the plan. I'm just going to do it. And God's going to pick up the slack because... <laughs> he gave me the deadline, right? And suddenly you're able to do it and come out the other end debt-free. Praise the Lord for debt freedom. The Bible says the, serve, the, the, the debtor is slave to the lender. Not that all debt is horrible and wicked and evil. Well, you know, maybe, I don't know. But definitely in certain cases, you just don't need to create debt that's unnecessary, especially when you're expanding the agendas of the kingdom of God. So, what I'm saying is that God is after your heart. Repetition is a great way to reprogram the heart and get new understanding in there that, that's going to take you places, even without revelation. You, you, don't, you don't necessarily need that moment of glory where God strikes you with that lightning bolt of revelation. You're like, aha, I have a new way of thinking and processing. Sometimes it's just the act of putting in good things to your life positivity some of you are christian and all you hear is negativity you go to church negativity you go to bible school negativity you because everyone's all depressed about everything that's going on in the world i'm not i'm a kingdom citizen i believe that god has overcome the world and i overcome the world in him and that doesn't change whether antichrist is walking the earth or not <laughs> and i've already uh, engaged Antichrist in the spirit realm. So believe me, I, I have no problems saying this. Uh, I am not intimidated by an Antichrist spirit or the powers of darkness to do evil things. They're, they're going to do what they're going to do. God's going to do what he's going to do. And nothing in the word of God changes when uh, certain events begin to transpire in the earth according to Bible prophecy. Let's see, the Bible is very clear that the work of Jesus Christ was finished once and for all. And that remains true throughout the entire extent of human existence up and into the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the Bible is so profound that on that, it says that there are exceeding riches of his grace that are to be unveiled to us in the ages to come. Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> so God isn't even done showing us his grace. When Jesus comes back, it just gets better, at least for the faithful. So what I'm saying is, uh, back to the main point, repetition is a great way to get something real into your life that's positive, that's God-ordained, that's his word. There's also a third way to program the heart, and that's through trauma. Did you know that when you are repeatedly bullied, repeatedly beat up, repeatedly cast down, repeatedly smited, repeatedly you know, raped, and uh, all kinds of evil happens to you? It puts a belief system in your subconscious. It really wires you to think and engage the world in certain ways out of the brokenness and lies. The devil's primary method of programming people is through trauma. If he can't get the trauma in there, he's going to get the repetition in there. But the devil's going to put repetition in a person that's a repeated, repetitive bombardment of negativity. It's evil and filth and all of the agenda that's all over the news media and, and stuff like that. He wants to seed people with his agenda through trauma or through repetition. One way or another, he's trying to get it in there. The Powers of darkness know that if they can win the war for the human heart, they're winning the war, period. I say the primary territory uh, that is under conflict within the spiritual realm is the hearts of men. 
God is after the hearts of men. Satan is after the hearts of men. It's a battlefield and it's a place of conflict. And the funny thing is that most people abide and live in a state of conflict because their heart is divided. They want the things of the world and of Satan and they want the things of God too. And usually there's a, you know, <laughs> a certain divide. There's a well, 40% for God. I do this, this, this that God wants me to do, but I'm still doing this, this, and that that the devil wants me to do. Many people are just divided. And so they have one foot in one kingdom, one foot in another kingdom, and they live in total stagnation. Mm-hmm, mm. Yeah, and so what I'm saying is there's different ways to get things in the heart. You have to realize that you have a subconscious that is your programming and operating system, your seat of human intuition. God wants to get that in line with his belief system because when he does, he has graduated a kingdom champion. But I say all that to say this. The heart is really best understood as the interface point between things, soul and spirit. And I was on this thing where I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk about the human spirit. Somehow I got sidetracked. I blame you guys. See, because someone here needed to hear that. But that's okay. I'm okay. I forgive you. You know. But we're going to talk about the human spirit. Now, back to 1 Thessalonians 1, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And many people, they think the soul and the spirit is the same thing. I say it's not, right? I say the soul is the mind, will, and emotions. The heart is the uh, lower levels of the soul realm that interfaces upon the spirit. Why? Because Romans chapter 2, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly of the circumcision of the flesh, but he who is a Jew is one that is inward of the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Heart in spirit. Cardia and pneuma. Actually, that's how it reads in the Greek. Cardia and pneuma. The heart is in the spirit. And so there is an element of the heart that is the lower region of the subconscious, but it also overlaps into the spirit. And the thing about the spirit is that the spirit just hasn't been understood at all. If the soul is the mind and will and the emotions, what is the spirit? Well, I tell people that is our connection point with God. It's our connection point with God. It's where we... Um, worship from. It's where the Holy Spirit abides in us. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, For he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Well, I had a moderate understanding of the human spirit. And I even went through this phase where I thought that the way it worked was that when a person got saved, God took their human spirit which was dead and replaced it with his holy spirit which is alive so they got a new spirit and it was god's holy spirit and it was just the holy spirit that abides in us and we kind of just go away but we still have a a soul and i realize that's completely wrong because uh second corinthians 7 1 says that we would be cleansed of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, which means that even after you are saved, there is an ability for the spirit to have filthiness. And the reality is the Holy Spirit can't have filthiness because the Holy Spirit is God. Therefore, there must be 
a human spirit that remains present at all times. And then when I began to understand how the human spirit works from a very mechanical standpoint, as I began to see the operation of human spirits in the spirit realm, which I'm going to get to, I began to understand that, yeah, absolutely, the human spirit contains the Holy Spirit, but it remains who we are and what we are in the spirit realm. Many people don't understand that there is such a thing as a spirit realm. We're so 3D minded that everything in our world is 3D. You know, the house is 3D, car is 3D, I'm 3D, you're 3D, and that's it. I guess the world is 3D and everything scientific must be able to be explained from a 3D perspective. Well, guess what? That was until they discovered electrons and photons and neutrons and all kinds of quantum particles and quarks and things like that. They realize that you don't necessarily see everything that's going on, nor do things seem to remain in 3D dimension at all times. Sometimes it seems like they pass in and out. And so where do they go? <laughs> Why do electrons only have a, a field where they are essentially postulated to have a certain percentage of being found in? When they're not found in that general vicinity, where are they going? They don't travel a path. They are just in and out. And they have a certain likelihood to be found in a certain sphere. And so what, what happens when you begin to study certain things that you realize the world is not as simple or 3D as you thought? Well, that's just the scientific side. The reality is there's a whole spirit realm. And this spirit realm is where our spirits are engaged at all times. And, you know, I, I remember uh, when, I, when I finally dropped this model, right? And I said, okay, I guess I have a human spirit that contains the Holy Spirit. Then things began to make a lot more sense. But I still didn't get it until a, day, a certain day came when I was reading a passage in the Bible. And this one I'm going to pull up and read to you because it's so profound. I actually spend some time talking about it in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions of the Spirit Realm, which if you want more information on all the stuff I'm talking about, I actually have three whole chapters in there on the, the conscious mind, subconscious mind, unconscious mind, which I call the spirit. And uh, it really goes into depth and breaking it down verse by verse. You know, I do, do a very, very thorough analysis of this. Then at one point, I begin to talk about a passage in Zechariah 3, I'm talking about the human spirit. And this is what happened. Uh, Zechariah begins writing. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, 
Then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of the land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. So here we have a messianic prophecy lending itself to a vision of Zechariah that implicates a guy named Joshua the high priest. Now let me explain a few things before I really get started blasting this one out of the water with my spiritual shotgun. See, I first read this passage and I said, ah, this must be Joshua from the book of Joshua who conquested after Moses died and took the nation of Israel into the promised land, slaughtered a bunch of giants and died because that would mean that he was in heaven already because he had died. And Zechariah then had a vision of him being in heaven and having a change of garments at that time, maybe because there was a righteousness being imputed to Joshua from the book of Joshua. And so that's what was happening there. And I just continued to move on. Well, I had to revisit that because I realized that Joshua was not called a high priest in the book of Joshua. As a matter of fact, Joshua the high priest was actually a guy that was alive at the same time as Zechariah. And he was actually the high priest at that time. Like they made him the high priest. And so he was the high priest. Um, So this is a different Joshua. And then when I began to look at that, I was scratching my head because I was like, well, what's, what's the context then for this passage? What's really going on here? And then I realized that this was obviously an actual event. See, many times we read a vision in the Bible and we think it's just like some kind of allegory or omen. But did you know that real events occur in the spirit realm? Actual, real events occur in the spirit realm. When God sits on his throne in heaven, it is a real event. When Jesus intercedes for us in heaven to the Father, that is a real event. It's real. When John in the book of Revelation was caught up through the door in Revelation chapter 4, that was a real event. What he saw in the throne room of God was a real event. But it wasn't occurring in the earth dimension. It was occurring in the heavenly dimension. But just because events occur on a dimension that's not earth dimension does not mean they don't occur. And this is where people get really confused because you have a spirit that is involved in all kinds of activity that you are not aware of that is affecting your life and you have no idea. See, Joshua the high priest here is implicated in an event that's happening in heaven. What's happening? Well, he is actually standing before the Lord in heaven. And the angel of the Lord is standing by and Satan's actually up there too. And the thing is, Zechariah is looking on. So in order to look on, this is what essentially had to happen. They weren't there in their physical bodies. But their spiritual bodies, their spirits, because again, God created us, body, soul, and spirit, were dimensionally displaced to 
this realm in heaven where this event took place. So Zechariah was actually there, only he was there in the spirit. Did you know that the book of Revelation begins with John using this language? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Dan, that sounds like astral projection. That, let me tell you something. Astral projection is a cheap counterfeit. I'm not talking about astral projection. I'm talking about the Bible says that John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. There's something to being in the spirit that is absolutely biblical. So all of you dispensationalists that are nervous, I might talk about spiritual gifts. Y'all could sit down. I have a new philosophy on certain subjects like that. It's, it's, it, it, it's boiling down into three words. I don't care. I don't care if certain people believe certain things that are not true. It doesn't mean that I'm going to feel shy about declaring the truth that God still works through things like spiritual gifts. Also, that you have a spirit. Come on. The Bible says we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. How do you get that confused? So anyway, the thing is, in this passage, we actually see how human spirits can be functioning without the necessary, uh, ne- ne- without necessarily being fully understanding what's going on. You see, Joshua, the high priest, he was somewhere on earth, but his spirit was in heaven. And God didn't give this vision to Zechariah, the high priest. It's interesting. He, or blah, blah, blah. Joshua, the high priest, he gave it to Zechariah. So Zechariah is caught up to heaven in spirit. He sees the spirit of Joshua the high priest there. Joshua the high priest has nothing to do with any of this in the natural. He, he doesn't know what he's engaged in. And as Zechariah looks on Joshua's spirit, what he sees is the Lord making a determination. Give him new garments. Take away his filthy garments. See, God was imputing something to Joshua the high priest. He was ordaining him for service before the throne. And so in that, he said the filthy garments that he's wearing, which, remember, this is not an event that's occurring in the natural. It's in the spirit. It's in the realm of God. So your spirit man actually will wear garments or not. You can walk around naked. <laughs> it's like, let us keep our garments Lest we walk naked and they see our shame, right? And that's another passage in the Bible. So at least he had some. They were filthy though. And so God said, we're going to take him away, the, the garments of his actual spirit man, and we're going to give him new garments. Now watch this though. Zechariah, who is in the spirit and in heaven in this event, is standing there looking at this happening to Joshua the high priest who he recognizes, probably because he knew him in real life. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Put a turban on his head. See, <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> the, oh, ah, how do I say this? We have no idea what we're doing. The Bible says of John the Baptist that he was the greatest of all, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And... <laughs> Here we have Zechariah, who is a prophet of the Old Testament, having the authority in the heavenly realms to speak of another human spirit who is still alive and decree that they will receive a crown. Turban also means crown. It's a type of crown. 
And you know what happened? They put the crown on the head first. <laughs> and then the clothes. Oh, Daniel, that's heresy. Are you suggesting that you as a human can speak in the courts of God? The Bible says in verse 5 of Zechariah 3, And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him. That's the actual reading of the Bible. Come on now. I'm just saying what the word says. Not trying to fill your head with all kinds of dispensational garbage. I'm just trying to read what the Bible actually says. See, there is an element of us, which is namely our spirit, that exists to engage the dimensions that are above that of 3D world. It'll also engage 3D world through our bodies, but it's the part of us that connects because of what Jesus did to the very Spirit of God and allows us heavenly activity. As a matter of fact, did you know that the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need? Did you know that your spirit man is actually able in the dimensions of the heavens to go before the throne of God and be there? and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's where prayer is supposed to be done from. That's where prayer is supposed to be done from. And once you realize that you are able to engage heaven and the realms of God on that level, you can graduate to higher understandings, namely begin to command things and command things of other human spirits, demon spirits, fallen angelic spirits. I can't tell you how many things that have been decreed by me personally out of the very throne room and courts of God. I do it all the time. How do you think I do the stuff that I do and I talk about on my program? I'm not doing it because I'm praying from earth to heaven. I'm praying from heaven to earth. See, there are principles in the Bible, but we can't see them until we realize that we have a human spirit. And our human spirit is a part of us that is connected to God. And I, you know, began to try to understand a human spirit as just like a, another, a second body, like a second body. Like it's just like a copy or a duplicate of my physical body that just exists ethereally, essentially. Well, that's partly true, <laughs> but not fully true, because then I had a revelation that all spirits are both persons and realms. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, you see what happened? This is this is what happens when I talk without notes. I go so far out in it just it just becomes a big mess. Here I am preaching myself into this theological debacle, and now I have to explain to you why spirits are realms. Huh. Well, it's a good thing I will. And you're gonna like it. Why? Because you're still listening to me. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, the the Bible is very clear that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. As a matter of fact, the book of Romans chapter 8, it's very, very clear on this issue. It first says that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there we have it. We are in Christ. But then just a few verses later, it says in verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. See, so in, in the new covenant, what we have is that we are spiritually exist in Christ, but Christ exists in us. How is that possible? Well, I had to begin to understand spirits differently at this point. 
Is it because this doesn't make sense with 3D thinking? For instance, if I have a box and I have another box, how can I put box A into box B and simultaneously put box B into box A? Think about it. It doesn't make sense. You can't do it. So you have to think, okay, let, let's, let's find a different framework for this. And then I began to study out hell and death. And that's when things got really, really interesting because hell and death are just the most weird entities you can't imagine. As I was studying out hell and death, I realized that there's some very strange language that I encountered. Okay, for instance, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 6, verse 8, So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. The interesting thing about this passage in Revelation 6, 8 is that death is referred to with a personal pronoun, him, him, him. It's not it or there or that place. And the name of the place that sat on it was death. It says him. And it says, Hades follows with him, and power was given to them. Again, him, them, personal pronoun. Uh, we're referring to persons. Daniel, how can Hades or hell be a person? Because the Bible says so. Okay? Any other questions? Refer to the Bible. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, the Bible says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Hell, okay. So hell is a place that you go when you die if you are not found in Christ Jesus. Bad. So hell is called a person in one passage and a place in another passage. So who's right? Book of Revelation or Jesus? Well, the whole word is God's. So it's right. It just is right. So it's both. Then the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 13 through 14, the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. See, so death and hell are actually delivering up dead that are found in them. Don't ask me about the sea right now. If you want to know the answer to that, you might have to join one of my discipleship courses. I'm sure that in at least one, I disclosed the answer to that mystery. But not here. No, why? I'm not walking myself off of that plank. Thank you. So anyway, the idea here is that death and hell, they are both persons and realms. Why? Because they are spirits. And then I realized you can have a hotel death and a hotel hell. It's like you die and then you open the door, you walk in and now you're there. But they are also persons. Jesus, did you know that he's a person? He is the second person of the Godhead in the Trinity. He is a person. He came to earth, took a body, died for our sins, resurrected, went back to heaven. Now he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's a person. But the Bible also says there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So if death and hell are persons and realms and Jesus is a person and a realm because he is a mm -hmm, spirit, what does that mean of the human spirit? So then I began to understand this. Aha! Human spirits are persons and realms. And therefore, because we are a realm, while there is a hotel Jesus that we can go in and abide in and sup with, there is a hotel Dan Duvall. And Jesus can come into me. I stand at the door and knock. And whoever opens unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him. That's what it says in the book of Revelation. So there's a hotel Daniel. I'm a realm. Jesus is a realm. Other spirits are realms. Really, when you begin to understand that spirits are both persons and realms, the whole spirit realm itself begins to make a lot more sense.
Especially when you do my job and you have to pull demons out of people and all kinds of other stuff out of people and weird things happen. It doesn't make sense until you understand this very basic principle, which is not so basic, but it helps us to understand how things work. So when you look at the human spirit as a realm, you begin to understand it exists kind of like a field, a field. Um, and okay, I'm not even going to go much deeper with that. I'm trying to stay on the ship, not walk the plank too much. But coming back to this whole thing, once you begin to understand that your spirit, that is a component of you, was designed by God for the express purpose of engaging the spirit realm, then you begin to understand a deeper level to your nature, a layer that God designed to be functional in your life. See, the Bible says the Father is now seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. What do you think happens to that verse when you apply what I just told you to the revelation and understanding of that interpretation? The Father is now seeking those who will worship him in the field or realm that is multidimensional, that is a facet of their component existence that he created, which extends them into his very near presence in the throne room when they are engaged by the Holy Spirit, living and fluxing through that field that will allow them to engage him very personally and in deep intimacy. Oh my gosh, is that the new covenant? Yes, it is. God loves you so much, he gave you an address in heaven. So we're talking about the human spirit. See, when a human spirit becomes an element of our engagement in life, we begin to live out of a different paradigm. The Bible says in Philippians 3.20, For we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a minute with me. Hmm. If I am a citizen of Texas, um, then I live in Texas. Right. So if I am a citizen of the United States, which I am, I live in the United States. So if I am a citizen in heaven, then I am, yeah, in heaven. See, that's the breakdown. Many Christians listening to me are like, Daniel, I've been living in this dump all my life and I don't believe a word you're saying. You, you don't know what I've been through. I don't care what you've been through either. All I care about is what God is saying. And he said that you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, are made a citizen in heaven. So, nah, how about that? See, the Bible says we are citizens in heaven and from there, from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for him to come back, not from earth where we're in this pot of bad luck and misery, but from heaven where we're surrounded by his glory and the angels and the choirs of heaven and all these wonderful things that we are not engaging in. And so the idea of the human spirit is that I call it the unconscious mind. I call it the unconscious mind. Why? Because, see, our spirit engages all kinds of things we have no awareness of. But, oh, if we understood and could connect with our spirit fully, oh, the veil between heaven and earth would collapse. <laughs> because it's a component of our nature. And I discovered the human spirit. I have really, really been understanding this in a whole other level. And I'm going to explain some of the mechanics of this to you now. Uh, just, just in how it presents in real world, real life. You know, what have you seen of this, Daniel, that's, that's helped you to put some of this into context? Well, uh, let, me, let me tell you a story. I remember the first day I tried to engage my own spirit, man. This was strange. It was weird to me. It was weird. So there I am, and I'm sitting here in my chair. And one of the things that I do when I work with survivors is I work with what is known as the human spirit. I, I do the same thing that uh, Dr. Rob Ruckert does. We did a 
couple programs called Ministering to the Human Spirit. And I will minister to what are known as the seven portions of the human spirit as found in Romans chapter 12, the prophet, the teacher, the exhorter, the ruler, the servant, the giver, and the mercy. And I'll, I'll, I'll get each one of them functioning um, uh, back where they belong. They're going to be set in order. They're going to be affirmed, blessed in the name of Jesus. I bless people's spirits. And what happens for the survivor that is fragmented, they will often be able to see within themselves and hear within themselves their own human spirit as they would one of their fragments or soul fragments pieces of their soul or heart that have been broken and shattered and splintered off. They, they will engage different personalities. Many of you understand that if you've listened to my program for any amount of time. If not, I have a page called Mind Control. Listen to the whole thing and then come to me with your questions afterwards. Um, they, they, but they will see that there are these soul fragments. They can talk to them. They can engage them. And I thought that all fragments were just kind of pieces of soul and spirit for a while. I had to refine that understanding a bit because there are elements of a person that are pure spirit and they will begin to see those as if they were another altar but they will be shining and bigger and i would talk to people's spirit so i would say hey i want to invite you know so and so spirit to come forward just like i would say i want to invite so and so on the inside to come forward when i'm doing this type of ministry and when i would engage people's spirits i would actually be talking to the actual spirit of the person and I, I, I sat there and I had this postulation and I said, well, I may not have lots of pieces and be fragmented like the people I am called to help, but I have a spirit. So I said, Ahem, Daniel's spirit, I invite you to come to the surface. <laughs> and I just got to close my eyes. I sat here in my chair and... I uh, wasn't really expecting much. And then this overwhelming feeling of intimidation <laughs> came over me. And I felt like there was something very, very large and hulking standing almost on top of me. And I was blown away by what I heard within myself. And resonating from my core, which I would say is right around my solar plexus and then expanding out, I heard the words, I am uh, a very important person. And then I command the armies of heaven. And then this voice began to go on and literally tell me everything that I had been journaling about, that the Spirit of the Lord had been telling me about myself, that I was arguing with God about because I said, I refuse to believe that I command the armies of heaven. You command the armies of heaven, God. 
And so I would write things down that I would hear the Spirit of the Lord say to me, and then I'd argue with God about it and have a hard time believing it. Even though when I would pray, people would say, I see thousands of angels going out in response to your words, Daniel. And it's like, yeah, you know, well, they do hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord. So I get that. But, you know, I'm just... And so what happened was when my spirit man came forward and began to rail, I mean, rail all these, I'm not even going to tell you on this program what he was saying, because some of you are obviously going to get upset and send me an email telling me I'm a blasphemer and, uh, you know, just full of it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to keep it light, but he's essentially saying everything that God is saying that I'm disagreeing with. And then I realized that the Bible says, for the flesh wars against the spirit. And then I had a revelation. I'm literally warring against God. And God is engaging a part of me, namely my spirit, the part of me that is a realm that has Jesus Christ abiding in it. And it's, you know, very much attached to the realms of God's kingdom and his throne room and is present in the, you know, very near presence of God on a regular basis and knows God intimately. That That's the part of me that is fully identifying with everything that the Spirit of the Lord is telling me. My soul, however, my mind, my will, my emotion is in complete disconnect. And then when I, that day, sat here and asked my own spirit to come forward and heard his confession, I was leveled. I'm like, I'm just as bad as all these other people I'm always yelling at. Because I'm not believing God. I'm not realizing that what he tells me is true. I can't accept it. I argue with him. But my spirit man does not. My spirit is fully connected. And so I began to realize a lot about the human spirit. I began to realize that my spirit man actually knows God a lot better than my soul does. And so... There's this whole journey that the Bible talks about. It's called causing the flesh to submit to the spirit. Did you know that your identity first manifests to your spirit man? And that spirit man is in its identity designed to conquest over the mm, sin nature and all the poison that's inherent to the soul in order to execute identity and function according to God's kingdom in the natural But there's a flow. There's a flow. And remember what I said earlier. The heart is that seat of communication, that portal that exists between things, soul and spirit. Therefore, if your heart is corrupt, many of the mysteries that are hidden within your spirit and all that connectivity that you are designed to engage in with God will be filtered by bad belief systems, unbelief, sin, lies, Views of self that are in absolute contradiction to God and his revelation of who he is and who you are. And so I had this experience with my spirit. And since then, I've been having a growing relationship with my own spirit. I realized that I don't need to be in conflict with my own spirit in ministry. I can get out of his way. As a matter of fact, half of the time I've been talking today, he's been out. (laughs) This is my spirit talking. (laughs) And, you know, my spirit gets very excited about the things of God, the word of God, empowering people with identity. My spirit is the weight behind the words that come out of my mouth. 
because he's the one that's attached to God and the faith. Wow. So it is that component of Zechariah and Joshua that are in the court of the Lord that are present for this event. And Zechariah's spirit speaks in the courts of heaven and says, give him a turban. And the angels, they, they do it. Now, this doesn't stop there because then God said, and this is old, you got to remember, this is Old Testament, right? Verse 6, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my command, he's talking to Joshua the high priest, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts and I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. See, where was Joshua the high priest standing? He was standing in the heavenly place. He was His spirit man was standing on holy ground before the Lord. And those who stood by, those were the angels of the Lord. And God said to him, back then, as high priest, you keep my ways, you keep my statutes. I will cause you to walk among these that stand by. This is called transdimensional activity. This is called blurring the lines between the natural and the spiritual spirit. God always designed his people and wanted his people to uh, engage in the spirit and to not be living completely separate from him, his kingdom and all that he is. And in the new covenant through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have more access than ever because we have access through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which has granted us remission of sins. And there are still people that are arguing with me about how they want to just sit here and wait for God to come and rescue them out of their mess. I'm telling you, kingdom thinking changes things. Kingdom thinking involves understanding that you are a spirit and you are a soul and you are a body and that you have a component of you, namely your spirit, that is a citizen in heaven, that does engage God in intimate ways, that receives a calling and an imprint from the spirit realm that is designed to flux through the natural world into your life calling ability purpose and resources in jesus name your spirit is a part of you that is connected to your inheritance in christ jesus that is actually found in what i call hotel jesus or the very realm of god which you sit in wow well anyway i've been talking for a long time and i'm tired because i've been working too hard you know putting together an e-church is a lot of work and so folks at this point I'm going to close the program and I'm going to say bless you in the name of Jesus and bless your spirits. Did you know that in a number of occasions in the Bible as the epistles were being closed, there was this language that the, the, the writer would put in there. It says, you know, well, bless your spirits. May the grace of God be with your spirit. May the peace of God be with your spirit. Amen. Why? Because the spirit is a component of who we are that is distinct from the soul. You know what? Frankly, your spirit cannot be at peace. Your spirit can be in trepidation. You know, there's so much interest. Maybe I'm not done preaching yet. I am not done preaching yet. There's something else that happened in the Bible that was very, very interesting. And it is found in the book of Judges chapter 15. And in this passage, Samson, he finds a uh, pack of Philistines, 
Kills him with a jawbone of a donkey. Famous story. I mean, it's just like really exciting, you know, it's so cool. Like, yeah, look at Samson. This is one of his highlights. I mean, he, he, was a, he made some really bad decisions, but here, man, did he shine. He killed him all with his jawbone of a donkey. Great, great victory. And then this horrible thing happens. He's thirsty. He's very thirsty. And so in verse 18 of Judges 15, it says, Then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So he's like, God, am I going to die? Come on, man, help me out. So then God, God splits the hollow place that is in Lehi. Water comes out. This is a miracle. God splits the dry place and brings water. And of course, there's a whole lot of revelation you could have packed just in that, you know, because, you know, you've been going to church and it's all dry, but then God gave you a revelation and now your life is lit on fire and living water is spilling out of your belly on everyone you encounter in Jesus' name. Um, well, there's also this idea that verse 19 says, and as he drank, his spirit returned and he revived. Therefore, he called its name En-Hakore, which is in Lehi to this day. This is a thing. When a person goes through severe trauma, the spirit will leave the body. Did you know that this is how they train people to do out-of-body work? They will sit there and torture them until they can get the person's spirit to leave the body. <laughs> So when trauma was applied, there is no water. He's thirsty. He's on the verge of death. Samson's spirit actually leaves his body. It flees. Sometimes in very, very difficult situations, trials and tribulations, people walk in. Their spirit departs from them. And it's not, it's not attached to the body. It's just not present where it belongs. And it needs to return. Like it said here in the Bible, return. Daniel, I'm pretty sure you're making stuff up. This is weird. I've never heard this before. Well, maybe you never read Judges 15, 19, which says God split the hollow place that is in Lehi and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned. He was still alive. His spirit left and it returned. This is a principle. This is a principle. You know, some of some people have been through a lot. When I get to them and I say, hey, so-and-so, where is your spirit? They'll hear things like under the water, outer space, in the center of the earth, in Los Angeles. Uh, the weirdest things happen when I ask people, where is your spirit? If there's been different kinds of troubles, traumas, trials in their lives, sometimes their spirit man is not present where it belongs. I have to call the spirit back. I say, you need to get back where you belong because this person has a call from God on their life and you do too. And I bless you, spirit, in the name of Jesus. And I decide and I determine that your days of running and hiding from your call are over in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, I want to declare this over some of you that are listening to me because your spirits have not been present. So I loose the angels of the Lord and I declare that your spirits are being found where they have been wandering. And I call them back in Jesus' name. And I declare you have an assignment from God and a calling from heaven. You have a purpose for being here and you will abide where you belong and you will give glory to God and you will execute assignment and function and you will be successful in all that you do. For the Lord is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. In Jesus' name. Folks, 
There's so much to this conversation on the human spirit. I mean, mysteries all over the Word of God from Scripture to Scripture. When you begin to understand what the spirit is, that it's a person, it's a realm, it's like a field, it's transdimensional in nature. It exists across dimensional planes. It is a building component of the spirit realm. Oh my gosh, there's so much to be said on this subject. Did you know that we are called living stones? Living stones. Our spirits are literally the building blocks of God in the spirit realm. And he builds a spiritual house. Oh. Folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. I think I've said enough today. Bless you. Bless you in the name of Jesus. And remember, we have an awesome internet-based ministry service that is being established it is being built on schedule we are believing god every every item is paid in full with no debt and if you want to support that you can always visit us at bridemovement.com and with that said until next time god bless and godspeed discovering the truth with dan deball is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com. At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.